Happy, happy day to everyone. We are back with Taste and Meaning. And honestly, this season has been really exciting so far. We've done so much and it's like, we're not even like at the end of it. Like this is the biggest season yet. Like typically this is getting close, like midway to what we're used to. Like, no, no, no. You're going to expect episode after episode after episode. It's really exciting. But before we get into anything else, we're going to talk about the advertisers of the week. And it's going to be a continuation of the previous week's question of like, is Sprite a soda? So we're going to touch on that. And then we're going to talk about honoring and supporting your local small business restaurants. But to begin with Sprite, Charlie, is Sprite a soda? Before I, I go into that and before the, <laughs> the world decides to roast me completely on this, um, yeah, I, I think a quick, you know, sort of behind the behind the layers of just kind of the podcast itself. It's been a really cool experience because I know like you and we talked about at the beginning of this season that like, you know, we're, we're doing things a little bit more intentionally and we're doing more more things in general. And I think it's been cool to go about the pace that we've been going of like, you know, having identified lists of folks we want to bring on, yeah. um, scheduling out, being able to have episodes already ready to post. So that way we're staying consistent it's a different pace. Cause I remember when we first started, it was just like, Hey, you know, like, will we be able to kind of find a guest for next week? And um, we did one every fucking week. Like yeah, literally, we, it, would, we would record the Sunday before and then post it that morning. Exactly. It was, it was like a grind almost. And it was, it was like a different pace. Cause where we had to like scramble to try mm -hmm. to find someone. I think now we're like, cool. We have like people in mind yeah. and we have them scheduled out. I think like even a month in advance almost. And then being <laughs> able to kind of like know, like we have great people that we're going to bring on and that mm -hmm. we, we have it already ready to where now it works a little bit better with our schedule. Like we, you know, people don't know this, obviously, like we're actually going to take a week off from recording next week. And then we'll we take have... so many weekends off now. I know, I know. It's like, freedom. What, what are the thoughts of that now? So I, I think it's just like, it's cool to just now be able to dictate what it looks like for us and, and make making more sense for our, our balance. Hell yeah. Okay. Stop escaping the question. Ah, it's quite okay. a soda. Right. So, here is my theory slash approach to soda. I have the theory that Sprite is not a soda. Um, however, that Coke is. And my basis is very simple. That Coke is because it is a dark substance. Not, not the fact carbonation, not in all that stuff, really just keeping it simple. Coke is a dark substance making it a soda and Sprite is not. So World, what would you go ahead and roast Sprite? me now. What would you classify Sprite then? Sprite as a, is as a, a what? It's a carbonated drink. It's a LaCroix. <laughs> 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 okay. Because like, think about it. Think about the terms of like, oh, get one large soft drink mm -hmm. and start soft drink will encompass soda, lemonade and carbonated, carbonated water pretty much. Makes me wonder why they even call it a soft drink. I'm yeah, sorry, because, it, because <laughs> at restaurants, they don't even call it soda. They call it a soft drink. Yes, yes. So I, it kind of supports your argument. Because soft drink says, is all-encompassing, right? You have yeah, like, just, it can be lemonade, it's basically, it's it's be... basically anything that's not hard liquor. Mm. From mm. what I understand, Oh, right? okay, okay, that makes sense, that makes sense, yeah. Right, so, so I guess your argument is actually kind of valid because no restaurants markets at soda, realistically, like the, like the, like legit like franchises and like those chains all say soft drink like what kind of soft drink would you like i'll get one large soft drink with every purchase of a mcchicken oh no right um yeah. for me if it's carbonated it's fucking soda simple as that <laughs> i don't drink soda i drink water i'm a basic ass bitch but <laughs> okay 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 now so what about carbonated water 
like a ginger ale or something? No, no, no. G- ginger ale is, is that? Is, I, I kind of pair that a little bit more with like a uh, sprite. But like okay. actually, like, cause I remember when I went to Italy, like, um, the only thing I could find was just carbonated water. Yeah, and the water is more expensive in Europe, right? Exactly, exactly. And so, like, <laughs> I don't know if I told you the story. Like, when I when I was in Italy, like, I was just searching for water, uh, and we were like, <laughs> we were at like a like a market or whatever. I was like, cool, I'm gonna buy a whole big case of just bottled water. You know, didn't think anything of it. Come back, it was like hot, and then I was like, you know, I'm just gonna down this water. I take a sip. It was carbonated. I like literally just spat it out because I was like, it was burning my throat because I was oh. I was chugging the carbonation. Oh. So car that, that was is what I would di- dictate as carbonated water. Okay. What about what about that? Uh sure. Like I said, I don't even drink that, bro. I don't even bother. You don't even like, dabble with that. <laughs> here, here's my thing. When I go to a restaurant, right? I'm always drinking water. For yeah. one thing, growing up, it's because it was affordable, right? It's gonna cost you like three dollars and fifty cents for a cup of water, like soda or whatever, right? So I was getting, I get water because it's affordable. And also like, I can't, I literally can't handle soda. Like seriously, when I take a, a taste of, of Coke, like a little sip, I'm good. I, I kind of like hold my myself back because it, it kind of like, it just hits me. Imagine me trying to take a shot. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> if I can't even handle soda, how the hell am I handling anything else? But um, honestly, the only thing I drink is water. If someone wants to get boba, I'm down. If I go to the Mexican restaurant, always get horchata. That's my agua mm. fresca right there. Mm-hmm. So like that's I don't really drink much. And I used to drink lemonade a lot as a kid. That would be my like my drink at a fast food place, but I don't even I don't mess with lemonade anymore, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So uh so like agua fresca, like yeah. horchata is part of that category. Yeah, like jamaica, agua oh. fresca, tamarino, all that stuff. Okay. I would okay. say, yeah. Yeah. Cause I I I don't know like kind of where, where this falls into because like I, I i like aqua fresca as well and like i, I usually like more of the the fruity type ones yeah so like watermelon um i think that like pineapple one or something mm-hmm. like that the pina too. ones are good mm-hmm. yeah, yeah 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 i like the i like the the milk based ones i guess mm-hmm. that's the reason why i like milk tea <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I do i do mess with milk well I, actually i don't mess with milk i don't buy it myself for the home but when i go out like if there's like drinks or something like shakes i'll get i'll get it i'll get a milkshake yeah. i like i like dessert you're the first person who hasn't like condemned me for my my soda take. Well, so. here's the thing though. You know me as an individual. I don't really get on those touchy subjects. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna start talking shit to Charlie, blah, blah, blah. I'm kind of like, bro, it's your opinion. It's not a bad opinion. There's actually some like valid explanations to it since the restaurants market as soft drink and not soda. So you do have a pretty valid argument. Um, but yeah, I don't even drink soda. So I'm not really that defensive about it. Got it. Okay. Uh, if you're so, trying to tell me that like a burrito is Mexican, I'd be like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's from the United States. <laughs> I'm not even gonna go there. <laughs> I do. I do love burritos. I order them all the time. But I'm just saying they're not. They're not from Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a great transition. Talk about small business restaurants because this weekend, and as the as the podcast listeners know, we're working on merch, and it's gonna it's gonna come out pretty soon. We're going through the trial testing period. And then we're going to start working on like distri- distribution and stuff before we actually launch. But this weekend we were, um, you know, shopping the fashion district in LA and on the way back to our car after purchasing the apparel, I was like, Hey, I want to eat. And I looked to my right and I see this little Mexican like restaurant. I was like, Oh yeah, I want some Mexican food. And I walk in and it's, and it's like this mother daughter owned restaurant. And I love their setup because it was like, imagine like Subway Chipotle style where you have all the toppings in front of you. But then you can order it, right? So I was like, oh, I want a sope. So I got a sope de pastor, which I know Charlie hasn't had a sope yet, which I'm going to take it one sope. day. 
So sofe is a great question. So imagine the idea of a tostada, right? You know, you've had tostadas, which mm -hmm. is like a very thin fried tortilla. So mm -hmm. sofe is basically a thicker like version of a tortilla. It's it's still dough, it's still maize and stuff like that, but it's very thick. And you basically will layer it with a base of frijoles, which are beans. And then you put your meat on top and your cheese and all your different veggies and like, um, like crema or like sour cream, whatever, whatever you want to put on it, right? So I asked for one with pastor. Pastor is very delicious. It's pork, I think. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I just know it's amazing. I, it is pork, yeah. And then so I, I ordered that, right? And she sets it up on front of her like little topping station. And she's like, okay, what would you like? And I'm like, oh, I can like throw whatever I want on there, which I love because like, usually when you go to Mexican restaurant, you just order it and they just give it to you what it has unless you ask specifically. But she had like a plain pellet of food that I can just start throwing all the shit I want on there. Which I thought was really like, it was really cool. It was a fun way of seeing how like Chipotle and Subway has done their things for years, but seeing this from like a small scale version with like different foods you wouldn't see at a faster restaurant. So I just think that it's, it's nice to get away from the typical chains that we're so used to going to and like visiting these small businesses because every, every cent of our dollar actually helps them out directly rather than like paying for like this massive corporation. So yeah, support your small businesses, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I could think of one place in mind, like I would used to go to a lot in Riverside. Um, it was this Thai restaurant uh, called Thai Orchid. And oh, I remember yeah. after a while, it's like, I would go there so often that, you know, I guess, I, I don't know if I became a regular, but just the fact that like every time I would go, obviously I would, I would greet the, um, the, the the business owner and you know i would say you know in thai like sawadi which is you know like um a greeting and hello and you know i, I think just from that like being able to connect with them and, and being able to have their delicious food which i yeah. absolutely love their green curry uh yeah. and it was just like they they recognize that we we want to support them and 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 but beyond that being able to connect with them just from a like a personal level of like hey how, how are you doing how's your business going um, and seeing that it, it is a part of their grind and their sustainability for their business beyond just, like you said, like a corporation or mm -hmm. something that already has that establishment and, and, and um, are just kind of trying to build profits as opposed to sustaining just their, yeah. their, their day to day, you know? And most often small businesses are a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like yesterday, literally we ordered two sofas and a shake. And I would assume that that will like at Chipotle, you get like a burrito and a drink that's like come out to nearly 20 bucks. All of this was like $11 nice. and it was like healthy portions, mm -hmm, like pretty, mm -hmm. like it was a, it was pretty big, like soap is. I'm kind of like, and it has all the meat and the cheese and the beans. I'm kind of like, this is bomb. So like, yeah, you know, help out small businesses. They typically taste better too, <laughs> but yeah, you know, we're starting our own small business pretty much with this merch sales. And we definitely want to make sure that we have a sizable contribution that we're going to give to charities and nonprofits. So definitely once that rolls out within the next few episodes, you'll eventually hear updates and progress. Feel like be sure to support everyone. But yeah, Charlie, we ready to go on to the next part? Let's do it. Yep. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be joined by our guests for today. So see you soon. Hey yo, taste me and listeners, did you know on Spotify and Apple Podcasts you can actually leave us a rating? Yeah, that's right. So if you want to help grow this podcast even more, be sure to visit Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us the rating 
and give us as high as a score you think we deserve. I say give us five stars, and honestly, you probably should. So please be sure to check out both Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating. And please enjoy the rest of this episode. Hey, so we're here with Q, a guest that Charlie brought on. I want to pass it to Charlie to introduce Q some more so we can get to know him some better. But yeah, Charlie, let's, let's talk to this great man. Yeah, yeah. So Q, I mean, ever since the time uh, from our book club, I mean, every book club, I feel like you, you bring up something that always kind of makes me think a little bit more, always kind of makes me reflect a little bit more. And I think just from the, 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 the book club in general, like I've met some great people and for sure you're one of them and I'm really happy to be connected with you. So I want to pass it over to you to introduce yourself. Hey, thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Martin, for having me on. Uh, my name is Q Fields. That is not my government, but that's going to be the government on today. You can do research if you want to find out um, my official name my birth given name, I'm 33 <laughs> years old. I'm an activities director and I also teach English uh, in high school. So outside of that, I try to find myself in different areas that can be impactful for the community. So whether that be going to church, whether that be volunteering uh, for food ministries, I just try to find little areas that I can still be impactful even outside of the workplace. In addition to that, I currently reside in Oakland, California, the Bay Area. My original home, I would probably have to say is Palmdale. It's where I spent most of my childhood, Palmdale, California. If you don't know where that is, it's in Southern California, about an hour northeast of LA. That's where I spent the predominant years of, uh, of my adolescence. And that's what I would call my hometown. But I kind of bounced around quite a bit. We can talk about that maybe a little bit later on, my journey, uh, different middle schools, different elementary schools, so forth and so on. But outside of that, man, I'm just a humble, you know, relaxed, minimalist, vegan Christian. I guess that's the simplest way I can put it. Well said. I mean, that's definitely the the, the vibe I always get from you every time we, we connect during the book club. Like you, it's always this sort of like down to earth, really just sort of like genuine person. And, and I'm glad that, you know, I, I was able to experience that with you um, in our book club and, and get that to, to share with the rest of our listeners. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. the book club, man, the book club. Oh, I love the book club, man. I, I, I'm so glad that we got an opportunity to meet through um, that particular venue or avenue, if you will, because there's so many different book clubs out there. We could have each found ourselves in and we found ourselves in that particular one. So thanks again for bringing me on and, uh, yeah, let's dive in. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we'll, we'll transition pretty, pretty into like the, the, the food part of it. And our, our favorite part is really trying to like connect with folks to kind of see what is, you know, food that really connects with them, whether it's like family, upbringing or culture. So um, tell us a little bit more about just what, what that food is. Man, when it comes to food, I kind of always had a very interesting relationship with food. I grew up in probably what most people would describe as your typical African-American household. Uh, when I was with my mother for my first 12 years of life, we pretty much ate collard greens, black eyed peas, macaroni and cheese, oatmeal, malto meal, just cornbread, 
greens, all those, you know, dishes that kind of make the, the Black American culture what it is. And then transitioning into my teenage years, I moved in with my grandmother and she was, you know, the same thing. Like, like they say, like father, like son, like mother, like daughter in this case. So my grandmother cooked basically the same dishes so I could see where my mother got her touch from. Um, so basically those were probably the most impactful dishes growing up. And then in addition to that, you tie in a little bit of fast food. So McDonald's was really big. McDonald's was really big because at one point in time in the late 90s, uh, maybe early 2000s too, but definitely late 90s when I was a kid, they had hamburgers for like 59 cents. And you can't beat that deal. So in a house with eight to 10 people, depending on the day, that was probably the go-to fast food spot. You know, if my grandmother's getting off work and she's kind of tired or, you know, we have company over, this is, that's probably the most efficient way to kind of satisfy the hunger. So McDonald's was definitely a, a, a key, a key food um, company that we would go to. In addition to that, we definitely dip, uh, dabbled into Taco Bell a little bit. Um, Sizzler actually had a great salad bar. So if it, it was, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Y'all remember Sizzler? Oh yeah. I definitely, yeah. we went to that all the time growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sizzler was a great, had a great salad bar. So every now and then we would, you know, maybe take the family out and, and enjoy that salad bar. And then you get, you know, a couple of sides, some chicken wings, you can get some nachos on the side. So we would enjoy that. But primarily our grandmother and my mom did a really good job of, of cooking at home. So I kind of grew up with my grandmother and my mother being the the sole providers when it comes to that. But as I got older, uh, my taste buds began to change a little bit. I didn't need uh, the food to be as salty anymore. I didn't need the food to be as sweet anymore. Um, And then I kind of ventured out on my own, not saying I became a cook or a chef or anything like that, but I did try to spend uh, more time figuring out what it was that I liked. So I decided to try different cuisines. And I would say growing up in Southern California, my favorite cuisine had always been Mexican food. It was Mexican food then and soul food. Those were like the, the, the one and two or the one A and the, you know, they were the, they were, they were the go-to foods. But then when I went to college, I had a chance to try a new cuisine in, in an Indian cuisine. And that kind of like just changed, changed my world. And I don't know if it's just because it was something new. You know, like when you try something new, it just, it's just different. So when I tried this, uh, when I tried some, some, some Indian food for the first time, I just became addicted. And this kind of happens a lot whenever I try a new food item. I remember when I tried Jamba Juice for the first time, I was at Jamba Juice every week for like three months, get trying all the drinks out, finding out the secret menu. So this was no different. Um, so Indian food became my favorite food for a very long time. And now I just kind of like everything, to be honest, if it's, if it's good, I'll pretty much eat it. But the only change is I am currently vegan. Shocker. Whoa. (laughs) You know, but, uh, like, yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a transition. I don't know if you want me to dive all the way into that transition as well, but that's kind of like the beginning roots. And then we can talk about now as well, if you like. Yeah, I, I know um, kind of 
you mentioned a little bit offline just about like how for you, it, it, part of it was also weight loss in, in terms of, you know, um, I, I don't know if that was necessarily what contributed to being vegan, uh, but I'm kind of curious, like how, how did that journey of like weight loss tie into maybe your, your diet now? Man, the, the weight loss thing was, okay, I'll dial that back because that might need a little bit of context. Mm. So the weight loss journey has always been a part of my life. I always kind of grew up as a as a heavier, chubby kid. And it was kind of like, well, you know, the way to go off as he gets older. I played sports, played basketball, a little bit of football. I even did band. I was very active as a kid, but it never quite left me. The weight never fully left me. So I tried different things. And some of my high school friends would tell you, man, that boy Q, he showed up to school. He had like the slim fast drinks. I don't know what's going on. Like he just tried to lose his weight. And I was trying everything from high school moving forward. Cause you know, that's when you start really looking at yourself, you know, in high school, you're like, oh, I need to, maybe I know I need to make some changes. This ain't falling off. My mom said, this is baby fat. I'm not a baby anymore. What's going on? <laughs> so um, I tried that. That worked for a little while. Sometimes worked for a little while. And it's like the Slim Fast. If y'all want to give me an endorsement, I'll still endorse it. Um, but I decided to try something different in my later years. And for the first time, uh, something really stuck with me. And that something was keto. And keto, for those of you that don't know, is a low carb, high fat, moderate protein diet. And it can be as strict as you want it to be. But the goal is to really figure out your macros, really figure out what works for you. And for me, um, I, I didn't go... I didn't go as in depth as I probably could have gone because I was low-key kind of kind of lazy with the numbers. I kind of found a space that worked for me. So I would go 20 carbs or less a day. I would go, I would make sure that my fat was just whatever. I just I just kind of eyeballed it. And I was like, okay, this fat, this seems like a lot, a lot of fat for today. And then uh, my protein the same, but the carb was the main thing for me. As long as I was under 20. I knew the other things kind of would work themselves out and it, and it kind of worked. And I'll say what um, got me into keto was just really just being on YouTube, to be honest. It's being on YouTube and, you know, they, they always have different uh, weight loss videos. Even if I wasn't even looking for weight loss videos, they just, I don't know if YouTube can see me on the screen and it just knew it was like, hey, you, uh, <laughs> I know this is it's time for it, it's time. But um, when I started that journey, I was actually 313 pounds. So it was, it was, it was long overdue to say the least for a change just to get, just to get healthy and just get in a better, better shape. So I did keto for probably about a year and then off and on for another year. And then I realized, well, I kind of lost some weight. It's great. I ended up losing a hundred pounds. So it's like I lost a, a, a lot of weight, but I'm not necessarily as healthy because when you're doing keto, you're typically going to eat a lot of cheese um, to get that fat. And you're going to eat a lot of peanut butter to get that fat. And even though peanut butter has good fat, if you eat too much of anything, that can be problematic, whether it's healthy or not. You can make something healthy, unhealthy. So that so I kind of was taking notice of that, as well as all of the meat that I was eating. So I decided to uh, go vegetarian. And I knew I could do vegetarian. Uh, I knew I could be a vegetarian because I had done something called the Daniel fast years ago. 
like a long time ago. And if you're unfamiliar with the Daniel fast, this is where my faith kind of comes in as, as a follower of Christ. Uh, Daniel is a character in the Bible and he worked for King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar wanted all of the people to worship their gods together at the same time in like the same area because he's basically Im Im implementing this system to where no god is greater than the other god. And basically he's trying to exalt himself as the primary idol, if you will. And David said, no, my God's different. And I'll abstain from all of the food here and I'll simply go plant-based for lack of better words. Because if you know anybody, if you live, if you live with the king, you get some of the king's, you know, riches. So king is indulging in everything. And in the fact that he took himself away from that and showed that that discipline, that's what kind of like inspired me. I was like, okay, let me, I'll, I want to try this out. And it's also a chance to get closer to God and you pray and, and you sacrifice a little bit. So anyway, I had done that years before. So I knew I could do vegetarian. I just didn't really want to because I, I enjoyed a hamburger. I, I enjoyed a Ruth Chris steak. I, I enjoyed that kind of stuff. So I was like, uh, but I decided to do it because I was like, let me get some of this cholesterol down that I built up through keto. And I did vegetarianism for probably a little over a year. I started at the end of 2020 uh, or the end of 2019, I say the end of 2019 and all of 2020 and COVID helped with that because I was inside. So I was making my own meals. It was very easy to stay vegetarian then. But then I said, you know what? I just want to challenge myself. I like to, I like a challenge. Let me see if I can do a vegan. And in addition to that, um, my lady, she was vegan. So I was like, you know, all the recipes. I'm not really a cook. I know you got the skills in the kitchen. Maybe uh, you can help me on this journey. And she's like, I was waiting for you to go ahead and join the vegan journey. I told you to be a vegan a long time ago. She, she low-key did. She definitely did. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I was like, I'm vegetarian. You know, that's good enough. And she's like, come on and join the full wave. Go and be a full vegan. And uh, so I was like, you know what? I'll take this challenge and I'll try it out. So I've been vegan ever since um, the start of 2021 until now. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you you sort of now embrace that for you, and and it's become part of your lifestyle, from, at least from what I hear. Oh, definitely, man. I mean, you know, like when we get the itis after you eat too much, especially on Thanksgiving, that's where you where after you're done eating, you you do the lean back, and you're like, "Ooh, that was a lot. I'm I, I'm done. I don't really get that feeling anymore. Even mm -hmm. if I do have a full plate of food, I, because the food that I eat, the majority of it isn't processed. And most of the time my body is running on, you know, these vegetables, these fruits and, and things that come from the ground and haven't been um, ran through some machine. It kind of, it kind of allows me to have this different source of energy. So instead of me coming home after work and sitting down and being like, yeah, I'm done for the day. I can come home after work I can change and I can go back out and still have that full, you know, fledge of energy. So that's, yeah, it definitely has become a part of the life. Nice. Nice. I know on the email that you sent us, you were talking about potatoes. Can we talk about potatoes real quick before we jump into the next uh, part? Oh man. <laughs> you know, this is, it's, it's slightly painful, but it's, it's not. Okay. So potatoes is my favorite 
I don't want to say vegetable because it's more than that. It's it's yeah. my favorite food item ever because you can do anything with it. Mm-hmm. You can contort it in so many ways and make it whatever you want it to be. You can use it um, in almost any dish, I would say, savory wise, for sure. So potatoes have always been a staple for me. Um, obviously, as kids, most of us as kids, you ask a kid what they want, fries. So I think it probably started there and it just never left me, to be honest. But I realized how bad it was. And I had to let go of potatoes when I did keto because it's so high in carbs. Yeah. yeah. So that was one of the things that I gave up. And that was the hardest thing to give up. I was okay with giving up pasta and bread, but giving up potatoes, that is, man. But when I did it, I said, you know what? I realized I didn't need it. Mm -hmm. I just really enjoyed it. Um, But yeah, anything with potatoes, man, even to this day, is definitely still something that I would have to like look at and be like, is it worth it right now? Is it worth it for you to do this? Uh, But I did find sweet potatoes to be a solid replacement Instead of going straight to my my Idaho potatoes or even red <laughs> potatoes, I can go I can go to the sweet potato, get sweet potato fries if I'm at you know a, a restaurant instead of going with regular fries, yep. um, especially not knowing you know what they might be cooking it in, what kind of um, oil. So yeah, yeah I, but yeah, definitely potatoes is the one. It's so the be- one. So before we jump to the meaning segment, I want to ask you, well, you already answered what your favorite fries are. I'm pretty sure it's potato, like uh, sweet potato fries. But can you tell me your favorite chip? your favorite tater tot and if you mess with mashed potatoes or not oh man favorite okay favorite chips man i'm i'm searching for my new favorite chips actually because they used to be the twist fritos the honey yeah 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 yeah, yeah. honey honey barbecue twist fritos Mm -hmm. those were my favorite for a long time um i had to let those go those don't qualify anymore. <laughs> yeah, those don't qualify anymore. Um, but I do like a lot of the kettle chips. Yeah, I was going to say those are my favorite. Yeah, those are your favorite? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to be careful with some of the kettle chips. Oh, I got to be careful with some of the kettle chips. <laughs> um, but some of them are uh, soy-based, and that's okay with me. I'm okay with eating soy. I'm one of the, the biggest that's okay with that. I'm not a strict, um, uh, what's it called, plant-based purist i think that i don't know what the label is there's too many labels for me to follow i'm still a a novice when it comes to this world but um yeah so it'll probably be one of the kettle i think maybe uh the sea salt and And vinegar vinegar. that's mine i think yeah that's yours yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i I probably have to go with that man you can't beat a nice tortilla chip Mm -hmm. um you can't be a nice tortilla chip from uh um what's it called yard house Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And do you mess with mashed potatoes, or do you just stay away from that? Um, I eat it from time to time. I definitely don't eat it as much anymore. I don't eat it when I go out. Mm-hmm. I typically would just eat it if I make it, or um, if my girlfriend makes it. Yeah. Then we, I'll end up eating some mashed potatoes, but that's very rare. Oh, and you asked about the tater tots too. I don't know which tater tot would be my favorite i just i just love to consume them (laughs) maybe the ones that are in the pockets of napoleon dynamite (laughs) (laughs) nice oh man when you you said the your quote of like i don't need it but i want it that that one just like hit deep for me i think like unrelated to potatoes but like i i feel like for me it's boba 
like boba milk tea like it's one of those things like i don't need it but damn i want it all the time man i have a bad relationship with boba i feel you on that boba is something special Mm -hmm. (laughs) something special anyways martin feel free to transition (laughs) yeah yeah so you're telling us on the side a lot about like what is of meaning to you and i love your response to it do you want to go into like what you address as meaningful and what you define that as oh man um i forgot what i had sent you but oh, I'll, I'll tell you what you said you're pretty uh, much saying that to start off that the question of what's meaningful to you requires the receiver to decide how deep to go and how many meaningful things to address I love how you said that because you're like conceptualizing as that like yeah things are of meaning but how far do you want me to, to address that yes because I can go on tangents <laughs> definitely can I, I've been working on this for a long time I'm a mm-hmm. communications major uh and I'm a teacher I'm an activities director, so I find myself in spaces where I end up talking a lot, and sometimes I can drift away very easily. So I've been trying to be more cognizant of not going too far. Um, but with it, with this question, I definitely have to say, you know, my faith out the gate. You know, my faith is definitely what projects me and motivates me and pushes me and kind of guides me um, through my day to day. And as a follower of Christ, I, I do believe in the Godhead. So Yahweh, the Holy Spirit, and then Yeshua or, you know, Jesus, depending on who you're talking to. We like to use different names. But also my family is, is heavily meaningful. Definitely, you can't even put words to describe how important and significant um, they are. Because when you, when you think back to your younger days or your, your days as a kid, your family is there, whoever, whoever that may be, whether it be your biological family or your chosen family, which are friends, right? Whoever that may be, but family is definitely a strong staple and what holds meaning to my life. I definitely have to say my significant other um, who has me on this vegan journey. Thank you, Ashley, appreciate it. Um, and you can follow us by the way, <laughs> shameless plug, vegan Q&A. You can follow us on IG. We do have a vegan um, page there. Uh, in addition to my family life, my romantic life, and my um, religious life, music is definitely something that has always held a special place in my heart. I even remember a song that I made with a rap group in college called My First Love Was Hip Hop. That's how that's how deep it kind of ran for me. And it still runs deep to this day. When I hear certain songs, when I write music, when I record, it's just it just gives me a completely different feeling. So there's a question that I remember um, a student asking me. So now that we're on this and this is one of those tangents, I'm telling you, (laughs) a student asked me, would you rather lose your sight or lose your ability to hear? You know, those would you rather questions. And without a second thought, I'm like, you can, look, I'll t- you can take my sight. I was like, you can take my sight. And they were like, what? You're crazy. You would rather lose your sight than lo- uh, you won't be able to see anything. You won't, you won't know where you're going. You won't know if somebody's approaching you. None of that. I was like, yeah, but I, I have to be able to hear music. 
I need to be able to hear the sound of instruments. And I think I mentioned earlier that I played in the in the band and in the drum line. Make sure we get Me it straight. Too. <laughs> you did? Yeah, yeah, I was the drum line. What, what did you play? What did, what did you play? I did uh, I did bass drum for a year. I did, um, and then for the last two years, I did quads, so the, the tenor drums. Oh, yeah, yeah. My brother did uh, quads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I played bass. I played bass. Oh, nice. The big one, like bass six. It's like oh, Jesus. 60-pound <laughs> 60 60 pound drum. Uh, I played that big. But yeah, mute. and then I finally made it to snare, but I was terrible at that. So I was, don't ask me to play the snare. Same, yeah, same. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, music, man, is just embedded. I swear it's it's one of the letters in my DNA somewhere. It's mm. it's it's embedded in me deep. Uh, then education, of course, you know, working in education, you got to have some sort of special, I would say, um, alignment when it comes to learning and a kind of knack for being an intellect or wanting to inspire people to be intellects and, and critical thinkers. So education is in there. The list is long, man. Christian apologetics, Black history, justice, uh, veganism. So it's, it's, it's a lot of things that I would say are very meaningful to me. And I spend a lot of time either studying, reading, watching videos, because I still do love YouTube. That's like my shame. That's like my that's why like my number one vice, if you will. I don't really struggle with any other form of social media. I don't know if you call YouTube social media, but I I can take a break with everything else. I can let it all go. But YouTube is the one that always pulls me at the end of the night. Come on, just watch this one video. Or you like you probably would like this video. You would like this video. And I'm like, and I find myself sitting there and it's 12 o'clock. I'm like, I need to go to sleep. I need to go to sleep. I had to wake up. So uh, yeah, I find myself watching a lot of a lot of videos on all of these different topics as well. You know, I, I think that's a great point to where I, I had a follow up question, which was like, how do you find sort of different inspirations when it comes to you being a teacher and educator? Um, so like, I I I would imagine in that role because like I for me I I, w- I I'm in the counseling field, and so I, I'm a little bit more in, in, in tapped with like, okay, you know sitting across from someone one-on-one connecting with them in that sort of space but in in sort of like an education teaching field like there's so many sort of different impact points you can have and so like what's one what 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 has been some of your inspirations when you teach and then also like what um how do you navigate through that that space as an educator and inspiration there's always moments that leave lasting impressions when you work with people in general. So I work with, you know, over 166 students personally as my students that I get to see throughout every single day. And then there's students that I come across just walking through campus. So I would say um, one inspirational moment was just a random student who actually, I never had the pleasure of teaching in my classroom. They literally just saw me every morning standing outside of my classroom because I like to greet my students. So I'm outside of my class greeting students as they come in. I have music playing because I like to set the tone. So I have music playing and it's a playlist that the class generates. So it's 
it's their vibe. They got their vibe going when they come in. They know, oh, that's the song I have. So when they come in, I try to make those personal connections. So I'll see a student. I say, oh, we got your song on. You better hurry up and get in there before it go off. And um, there's a student who walks by all the time. And then she's like, Mr. Fields, I wish I had you as a teacher. This class seems like it's it, it focuses on making sure the students feel comfortable even before the work commences. And in my mind, I'm like, dang, this kid went out of their way to let me know that what they are viewing is something that my students probably do appreciate, but they may just not be thinking about it in the moment. Cause you know, sometimes people do things that we don't necessarily say thank you, or we don't let them know how appreciative we are of it, even though we are appreciative and we do like it. And, and sometimes somebody from the outside can point it out. So I'll say like that kind of moment. And one of the reasons I even began to teach this, what inspired me to teach, one of the things that inspired me to teach was I subbed every single grade level for a year. And one of the classes I subbed was a kindergarten class. And kindergartners are funny, by the way, just, just comedy. They know the whole setup. They're, if you ever want to sub and just get a good laugh, go ahead and sub a kindergarten class. They'll run the show as if they're the teacher. They'll let you know how it's supposed to go. They'll be like, we need to do our days of the week song first before we do anything else and they'll sing their song we need to do our calendar of the month song such and such is the door monitor okay now we're going to sit on the carpet this is the book you need to start reading to us <laughs> i didn't have to like they told me everything i needed to do step by step it was it was it was so entertaining but i digress so um, when i was when i was subbing this class a young a young black boy came up to me and he said you look like me and that just like shook me up because that wasn't even on my mind. I wasn't thinking about it. And the fact that this five-year-old kid was so observant and aware that he had not come across anybody that looked like him in my capacity in his first five years of life just like made me go, man, they are definitely soaking in everything that's going on. So. It, it put me back on my toes in regards to what I do in the classroom and how I do it and taking in consideration what they might need and checking in and asking them, you know, different questions to make sure we're all on the same page. So I would say those kind of moments truly inspire me, like students that I don't have saying something and pointing something out that I might might have missed or my, my primary students might not have shared with me. And then that first moment in, in subbing a, a kindergarten class, that kindergartner, uh, yeah, just mind blowing. Okay. That's awesome. I don't know, did I answer all the questions? I might, I might have missed No, you one. did, you did, yeah, you no, did. That, that was real. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, we have two more topics we want to talk to before we cut to the next segment. First one, yeah. we want to talk about your EP that, you're really, that you just released, you know, that you're working on. And so, oh. Yeah, um, so a couple years ago, I dropped the Seed EP on all digital platforms. Um, and really, it was a hiatus from my, my last, my project before that. I, I had made music probably consistently, I want to say, since I was 14 until probably about 22, 23, somewhere around there. 
Uh, I'm losing track of time now. I'm 33. I'm losing track of time. But for, <laughs> <laughs> for a long period of time, I was making music. Whether it was I started with making music with a, with a few of my friends, who I would call my brothers in high school. You know, Rob. You know, um, you met Rob. You have met James, Ryan. It's a few of us and uh, Kale. So anyway, I made music with my with my brothers, and then I ventured off and did some solo stuff. All through college, I was making music. But I wasn't really making the music I knew I should have been making. I always had this battle. And there was a project that I, my first official, I, was, I don't want to say official, but one of, my, one of my projects was called Mainstream Underground. And this is all leading up to the EP, by the way. So one of my projects was called Mainstream Underground. And it was basically like a, fo- a, a focus of the battle between being underground and being mainstream. So I really had this, this, this struggle there because I loved artists like Cannabis or Royce the Five Nine or Brother Ali. Um, and most people didn't know those individuals that just listened to music for fun. They knew Nelly, Ludacris, Jay-Z. They knew those individuals. So for me, I like those individuals too. I like, I like both sides to a degree. And it was always like a, a battle of where should I actually like align myself? I'm still trying to find myself. Um, and then in addition to that, I had my faith playing a role too. So it wasn't until I decided to just completely let go of making music and focusing on my relationship with God and dialing it back and seeing why, why do I want to do this? Because my music before, not saying it was necessarily glorifying drugs or st- or whatever you, you want to call it worldly um lifestyles and in in the secular lifestyle to a degree it it still was to me and i didn't appreciate that so i didn't want that to be a reflection of me so i took a break and then i decided to do some um some self-reflection and then i realized we're constantly growing and even as a a seed makes itself known by protruding through the earth and revealing itself and starting to grow its stem and then its its leaves and so forth and so on, it continues to grow. And it grows into whatever it's gonna be, a flower, a, a, a fruit tree or whatever it may be, this seed is gonna to continue to grow continuously, but it needs other factors to help contribute to the growth. So the project is just really focusing on maturation, evolution, changing, and just experiencing the different um, parts that make us who we are, but being observant of those things. So I'm kind of giving more of a broad, you know, overview, but definitely, you know, if you're interested, you know, ch- y'all should check it out. If you're, uh, if you, if you want to hear some, some bar bars, some, some real bars, because <clears throat> I'm a poet at heart. So it's definitely a lot of poetry and rhythm um together in this in this particular piece but yeah that's on you know all the all the platforms that we like to use nowadays no longer cds i mean i do miss the cd low-key you know and can you is, remind us the name of your ep the seed the, the seed, seed. Yeah. Uh-huh. we'll definitely put the the link into our our episode when, when we release it so folks can check that out for sure 
Yeah, appreciate that, man. It's and it's all clean too, so you don't got to worry about playing it in front of the children and worrying if they repeat something. It's all <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think the one last part I, I was hoping to learn a little bit more from you in your experience before we transition to our mental health check-in section is, you know, um, you did mention to us offline and, and again, whatever you feel comfortable, whatever you'd like to share. I mean, you mentioned like just sort of um, growing up in the foster care si system. And I, I was really curious to know, like, how, how has that even impacted your, your life now? And, and as well as like any other aspects of your life that you feel like that has sort of um, influenced or shaped your life? Man, so that was, you know, a very interesting time because I had spent, you know, my entire childhood with my mother and I have seven other siblings. I'm one of eight. I'm the second oldest. So I kind of was always assisting with my little brothers and sisters. So when we ended up getting split up, and put into um, you know different foster homes, it was it was very it was traumatizing in a sense, but I did have my big brother with me throughout the entire um, separation. So my big my older brother, you know, I'm very thankful for having him around throughout that entire you know situation of being separated um, from family. But you know, still not having your entire family there. It still, you know, still hurts, you know, quite a bit. Um, and it kind of gave me a quick introduction into how vastly different people can be. And I've had the experience of sharing a household with really great foster parents that took me in and they were doing this because they really wanted to provide, you know, these young kids, talking about me and my brother, with an opportunity to you know, still have somewhat of a normal life and feel like we're being, we're loved. And then I had experience where I wasn't in that type of home and I was in a home where somebody was just obviously there just for the money. And hey, you, whatever you're gonna eat tonight, figure it out, it's in the freezer, go in and heat up some corn dogs, heat up this, you know, uh, Tina's burrito, whatever it might be. And, you know, I was like, wow, how can these, you know, two, two individuals be so different. And I'm so young, just kind of like thinking about that. But as a, as a kid, you just kind of make your way through, you try to find, you know, joy in all these different parts of life and you just kind of forget about it. But then as I got older, I would say kind of inspired me to get to a point, um, both financially and then emotionally to where I could be more reliant and, and dependent on my choices and myself. Uh, so I definitely become, I became more independent through that process, I would definitely say. And it also might have encouraged me to be a little bit more what they call a person with a secure attachment style. So yeah. you, if you learn about like the different attachment styles, yep. that's it. so, and this was something that took me a long time to realize. So because of those long periods of separation where I like wouldn't see my mom maybe for an entire year or five, six month gaps, stuff like that, that's not what the average person experiences, especially not with mom, maybe with dad, but not with mom. Usually mom is always there. So those gaps 
and she's fighting to get me, right? But I don't really understand. I don't, I don't know exactly what's going on. I'm just showing up to court. But those moments after a while played a role in me not necessarily seeking to be around people as much. Like I didn't feel the need to be around as people as much or people that you normally would that are uh, your, 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 your parents or your brothers or your sisters because I'd already experienced long gaps away from them. And it wasn't that I, don't, that I didn't love them or that I don't love them now. It's just that I've grown so comfortable and accustomed to having these gaps that I don't, I don't, I don't stress or have like a depression. Like most people say, I got to get back home. I got to see my family. It's been three months or it's been maybe even a week for some people, right? Or two months. I haven't seen, for me, it never, there's like no clock that's ticking. It's just like, oh, oh yeah, it has been a while. Oh, really? It's been, it's been a year. Oh my, that's crazy. And so I had to work over the years, you know, once I became, you know, more financially stable, graduated college, got a career, stuff like that. Then I had to work to make sure that I increased the amount of visits and interactions that I had, you know, with my family. And it's even one of the reasons why I think I ended up in like the Bay Area and I'm very much okay with being in the Bay because I have no family in the Bay. There's, I have no biological family here. I shouldn't say no family because I have really great, you know, friends that I would consider maybe my brothers and sisters. And, but I don't have anybody that's biologically related to me here. The closest people are in Southern California, about five hours away, but it never, I never think about it till people bring it up. They're like, oh, why, why are you here? Or why are you, you know, it's cool to go away for a little while. Are you going to go back to Southern California to be near your family? And I'm like, I love my family, <clears throat> but my, I don't have like a, this, this yearning need for somebody to be around me. So I, it's, it's very interesting. So I, I definitely think the foster care system played a role in that. And then another thing that I actually just realized even more recently, probably within the last few years, is the, the way the system can kind of, I think it might be intentional, but who knows, um, play these tricks on people that are, are naive and typically it'll be a, a child because I'll give you a, a scenario. I'll go to the courthouse when I'm in my mother's custody and let's say the court is trying to remove me from my mother's custody. It's because somebody made a report or whatever it might be. So they're trying to remove me and I'll go into the courthouse and they'll sit us in this room that's overcrowded, very hot. There's no toys for kids to play with. They probably have like another court show on the little blurry television that's in the ceiling. You know, one of those old TVs, not a flat screen, just it shouldn't even be in there. They'll play like Judge Judy or something, something that kids don't want to see. And I'll be sitting there waiting for us to get called into the courtroom. This could be hours, who knows? There's that situation, but that would only occur when I'm with my mother. When I show up to the courthouse with my foster parents, they have this decked out, beautiful area where there's a playroom with, you know, um, toys that you want to play with. Then a game room with PlayStation and Xbox, and I can play all my favorite games. And I still remember till this day, this is wild. One of 
one of the times I went, they actually had like a celebrity there. Um, one of the actors from, um, uh, what's it called? The Highlander, one of the actors from the high TV shows, an older TV show, The Highlander, he was in there and he was signing autographs and they had somebody from Mortal Kombat. This is the nineties, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, signing autographs. And you know, we're like, you know, we played Mortal Kombat as kids. So I was like, this is wild. Oh, I wasn't saying that then, but I was just excited. But that was my experience when I would go with the foster parents. So I was just having a great time. And then they would bring you in the courtroom and imagine them asking the question. So who do you want to live with? Do you want to live with your mother or do you want to stay with your foster parent? And I'm like, wow, this is when I'm older. Now that I'm older, I'm like, wow, they really like because they had me questioning as a kid. I was I was like, there's my mom who I love, who has, you know, taught me so much. She's the reason why I even was able, probably able to able to get through school so easily because she used to give me homework on a Saturday morning before I could go play outside. And I, and I appreciate, I thank her for that, for doing that kind of stuff, little, little small math problems or whatever. And it made it easy for me to navigate school as I got older. But I'm sitting there having a debate in my mind whether to stay with my, whether to stay with my mom or go over here to this foster family because I know when I go here with my foster parents, I enjoy the time. I get all of these games and all this access to things. So it really messed me up. And if it wasn't for my older brother, uh, I don't know if I would have, if we would have ended up with, with family in the end, because he was, you know, a couple years older. So he, he's definitely more wise. Uh, he's more wise than me. And he was a lot more wise than he, uh, than, than a child that was, you know, 13. I don't know how he was able to think ahead, but he's like, no Q. He's like, now nah, we're going, you know, we're going with family. It's family. And then, and it was, it was tough. In my mind, I'm, I'm just thinking about good, you know, the good times. I'm like, when I go here, this is what it looks like. So mm-hmm. I'll say, yeah, it definitely plays a mind game. They definitely play a mind game. And it definitely probably is one of the reasons why I developed this secure attachment style. I won't say whether it's good or bad, um, but the level that it's at, it's probably due to that. Okay. No, I mean, thank, thank you so much for, for uplifting that, that, that story. And also like what's, what's connected with you up leading into where you're at now and even, even reflecting back on, on what, you know, kind of you went through as well. So, um, definitely I'll, I'll pitch it over to Martin. We can transition to our last part of our pod today. Yeah. No, thank you again for being honest and sharing your journey. It's, and that's really crazy how you picked up on those like things coming out of it mm-hmm. um so we're gonna take a short break and then we're gonna come back for the mental health check and before we wrap up have you ever wondered wow that was an amazing conversation they had on the podcast honestly i have more thoughts so you can actually tell us your thoughts by using the q a section on spotify when listening to taste of meaning that's right you can actually visit that Q&A section on each of our episodes where we have a Q&A posted and you can respond to the question itself or you can let us know what happened to the podcast and if you had any for your thoughts. So be sure to check out Spotify and you can visit that Q&A section for Tasty Mini episodes moving forward. Thank you. Now time for our final segment before we wrap up. I'm going to pitch it back to Charlie to discuss the mental health check-in for the week. 
Yeah. Yeah. So definitely um, having Q on really brought up um, a good mental health check-in, which is really being able to have an outlet for, you know, any part of your life to help in a way and balance out just some, you know, whatever you're maybe going through mental health wise or just life wise. Um, and, you know, before I really kind of hear a, a little bit more from Q of kind of what his outlet is, um, I know for me, honestly, like, and this is just me being completely genuine is like, the podcast is really my outlet. Like I, I genuinely love connecting with, with people on a deeper level, being able to, to go through the process of doing a podcast and, and being able to share it out with folks. So like genuinely that is what one of my outlet is. So Q, what about you? Man, my outlet, I would have to say is it starts with writing. So I get a chance to just write out my thoughts. And because I love the idea of trying to figure out how to mix up words and find new words to use to kind of explain how I'm feeling. It puts me in a situation where I'm no longer necessarily thinking about the problem or the issue that I'm currently going through. And instead, I'm find myself researching and, and looking up new information that I could use in the writing um, that I'm constructing and then ultimately turning that into music. So then I have to find a beat. Um, so it just becomes an entire journey of doing something different to release maybe the frustration or the stress or the anger or you know the sadness, whatever it is. And the greatest part about um, writing and music being my outlet is that once I write it and record it or write it and, and rap it and sing it, whatever, it goes, it's, I'm done. I can just leave it there. I don't have to carry it with me. It's kind of like, you know, people say, I get the weight off my shoulders that's literally exactly what happens. Because once I write it out and I put it out, it's there now. It's on the paper. It's 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 in the it's in the music now. I have to walk away because I still have a life to live, and I don't want this to like follow me throughout my entire day, bringing down my energy or my joy. So I just put it out, let it go, and then move on. Yeah. That is so meaningful. I, I feel like I connect with that so much. And, and I, I never even thought about that. I feel like, you know, you know, because I'm in the therapy world and also doing podcasting, I feel like it, it can kind of be similar to where like, you know, you put whatever's inside of you, you know, uh, in your heart, what you're feeling, what your thoughts are, as, as it, it goes out into, you know, in therapy, whoever you're talking to, but also through podcasting, like, just the podcast itself, like once it's out there, it's out there. And like, we spoke what we wanted to speak and you know now it's not something that's bottled inside me anymore damn yep. that's cool i like that i really like that oh, so martin do you want to wrap it up um yeah uh just to close it out yeah my outlet's probably just entertainment what i be creating or consuming just whatever can, can like occupy my time but to wrap it up thank you q for chatting with us today um, please take this time to shout out or plug anything and then we'll be good to go for the episode. Yes. Thank you two gentlemen for having me once again. Uh, it was a pleasure being on the show. Thank you for uh, just allowing me an opportunity to share with you. This was, um, this was an outlet as well. <laughs> I guess the podcast is an outlet for me too, just like Charlie. Uh, I just want to go ahead and I'll plug the CDP. If you're looking for something to kind of help you see somebody's journey from, you know, beginning to middle, because it's definitely not finished yet. I hopefully got some more lives to live, some more life to live, God willing. And then you can also follow uh, me and my lady Ashley on 
IG at vegan Q&A. And that's vegan, B-E-G-A-N-Q-X-A, because we're using the X as the N. I mean, I, I, now I just thought about it, like, it, it's a play on both of y'all's names. <laughs> I, I, at first, I thought it was like Q&A, like question and answer, and but no, it's a play on your, that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much, Q. I really appreciate you. Um, and being able to get a chance to know more about you really gives a lot of meaning to to, to our you know connection and so I mean I, I can't wait to actually we get to connect in person um, I know possibly soon I might be looking to take a trip up to NorCal so hopefully we'll get to connect then definitely man always welcome let me know I, I even scoop you from the airport hey all right <laughs> <laughs> all right folks well thank you so much listeners for tuning into this episode um, we'll be back next time for another great guest um, until then take care of yourselves and most importantly take care of others <laughs>